Hello and welcome to another of our Dental Business Transaction Podcasts. And in today's podcast, I welcome Mark Topley, business coach extraordinaire. Um, Mark is the second CEO of Bridge to Aid uh, between 2011 and 2017. And in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about purpose-driven business, the Great Boss Academy, which is led by Mark, and also CSR, which for the uninitiated means corporate sustainability and responsibility. Good morning, Mark. Welcome. Good morning. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me on, Lily. A pleasure. So first question, let's get it out of the way. What's your background and what sort of led you to this chosen career path, Mark? Oh, gosh. Um, well, depending on who you talk to, I've either got a varied or a checkered past. Um, I, I I trained as a teacher originally uh, back in the early 90s, um, which for some people was before they were born. I understand that. So I started out teaching and absolutely loved it and had a great time teaching in quite a, a difficult housing estate um, just outside of Portsmouth on the south coast. Um, but during that time, kind of got itchy feet a lot of the time. I, was, I wanted to travel, I wanted to go overseas. I was involved in sort of community projects and stuff in, in, uh, in North, Northeast Africa, Ethiopia in particular. And after three and a half, four years of teaching, kind of, kind of stepped into community project management. And that then led me into um, charity startups. Um, I worked in the music industry for a while. Um, sort of touring and looking after looking after bands and then from that I was about to start a national production um, of, a, of a new musical which was gonna go and then suddenly at the last minute they the backers pulled the plug and so I took a month off thankfully my wife was working and um, during that time came across um, a little charity called Dentaid um, which a friend of mine introduced me to, did some work for them, kind of started to get my, my an understanding of what oral health was all about in developing countries and particularly how, how little provision there was of the absolute basics. So by basics, I mean, if you've got an infected tooth and it needs to come out, how, what do you do? Because there are no dentists in the rural areas um, and the medics that are there aren't trained to take teeth out. Um, and that kind of took me and my wife on a bit of a journey. We, we had friends who, who had started a charity called Bridge to Aid back in 2002. And so we spent some time with them out in, in Tanzania, uh, really got the bug for what they were doing. And we were kind of hooked into, OK, this is something we can we believe in. Um, these are people that we love. We want to work with them. We want to help them to, to make this vision a reality. My wife has always been sort of, you know, poking me in the back to, you know, we need to go and live overseas. I want to do something overseas. She's a nurse by background. So she she fit in very, very well. And that took us to, we, we started living in East Africa back into 2005, came back in 2015. And during that time, we kind of started um, uh, the dental volunteer program, as it was called then, which is all about training local healthcare workers in emergency dentistry. And that involved bringing a lot of dentists from the UK, nurses from the UK, to do the training one-to-one in the rural areas, um, which was great and groundbreaking model for the time, internationally recognised now. Um, and that was something to be very proud of. And and during that time, I kind of got the CSR bug, which um, was all about working with a lot of great companies on how they did CSR very well. Everything from single-handed dental practices all the way up to companies like GSK. So that's that's the kind of background um and it, it's been a it's been a journey and certainly one that i didn't design <laughs> no 
It certainly was. And it's fascinating to hear that you lived in Africa for about 10 years. So that shows a real commitment to the whole thing because some people can do this, they'll have a holiday, they're inspired, they'll come back and do some fundraising and then, you know, life goes on. But this was a real commitment. Um, so it's interesting talking about CSR because obviously um, I was looking at your website and, you know, there is a general awareness now. Uh, BlackRock's chief executive, Larry Fink, as you've got on your website, says that he wrote to businesses at the start of 2021 to warn them that no issue ranks higher than climate change. Um, it's a huge thing now. You know, investors are looking to de-risk portfolios. Um, tell us about CSR. Why is it becoming so important? Well, it, it, the, it Fink is a good guide, I think, genuinely. I think BlackRock does is trying to do the right thing. But let, make no mistake, it's a smart choice for investors. You know, if you want to de-risk your portfolio, then one of the biggest risks at the moment is climate change and also the loss of the social license to operate by being irresponsible in a community. Um, and we've seen that time and time again with different companies across the world. I think there's been a gradual, over the last 20 years or so, there's been a gradual shift um, in consumer and particularly employee expectation about what they want from a business. Um, you know, the, the days of turning up and doing a job, um, collecting a paycheck and going home and that being enough um, have kind of gone because people are looking for something different at work now and they're very much more transient. Um, you know, careers can change several times during during somebody's lifetime. Um, and what people are looking for is a way to say, well, when I go to work, I work for good people and I work for people that care about the sort of things that I care about. So we've seen that kind of shift. The consume, The consumer shift has been big as well. And even before the pandemic, it was nine out of 10 people saying that we expect businesses to do good as a normal part of what they do. We don't want to do business with people that are irresponsible or unethical, um, who don't pay their taxes. So those things were in place. And then the pandemic came along. And I think 2020 was the groundbreaking year because suddenly all of these different sort of subcultures of um, you know, uh, extinction rebellion and sustainability, the need for sustainability, um, things, things around um, racist and um, sexual uh, discrimination with Me Too, with Black Lives Matters, um, and then the pandemic all into the mix. Suddenly, all these these subcultures became mainstream, and now they're mainstream. And so, every company that I I speak to, and certainly a lot of that I come across um, in in the media. They're all asking the questions. You know, we're the most obese and depressed generation there's ever been. Um, the planet is dying at a rate of knots if we don't do something about it. And so every business is, is asking the question. Now, um, Mary Portis, the, um, the, uh, the retailer, says there are two types of companies, the giver and the don't giver. And so not everybody's doing something about it, but everybody's thinking about it. And so it's it's I think it's the mega trend um, for for businesses and certainly the sustainable business um, leadership report, which was done last year. People and sustainability were the two big mega trends that, that, that businesses were worried about. And that's why CSR, because it's an answer to those things, has become uh, much more important. Absolutely. Gosh, it, it's fascinating to hear you talk about this because it is such, a, as you say, it's a huge thing. It's a huge new thing now. And people are far more aware about this. Now, would this be a good segue into talking to about the Great Boss Academy? Because this is something that you created. And, and who is it for? 
Yeah, it's um, so Great Boss Academy came about um, as a result of the pandemic. And one of the one of the things that happened right at the start of the pandemic was um, a, a good friend of mine, Chris Barrow, who, and, and now you know Chris as, as well. Um, he, he went from, you know, on the road four days a week um, doing face to face work in with practices was like, oh, crap, I've got to redesign my business model. What am I going to do? And one of the first things that he, he, he did was how can we help all the people that are looking for answers? Because there was there was zero clarity coming from the, coming from, um, from from the CDO's office, um, there was very little clarity from um, from from the government initially to start with, and so we put he he invited me to be part of a webinar, a, a, a forum which took place once a week on a Thursday night. So for two hours, seven till nine p.m., we would get on that forum and and start chatting about and answering people's questions basically. And during answering those questions, uh, and we did we did a year of every week, and then we've now done we're just over a year now of every once a fortnight. So that's been a, a regular part, regular feature. And the overwhelming thing that I sort of spotted during that was that a lot of dentists who had got into dent, dentistry to do dentistry had become principals and had done okay with the leadership thing, the being a boss thing. Now were absolutely out of their depth, and you know, let's face it, who wouldn't be? And as somebody who didn't have any formal leadership training either um, and was plunged into all sorts of crap when I was working in East Africa, I mean, you can imagine leading an organisation, the bureaucracy, the corruption, the day to day challenges of trying to trying to get things moving. I had a few hard won lessons under my belt and I thought, well, actually, I can probably put something together which will help these people. Um, and help them to feel confident about being the boss, which is the first thing, and then give them the tools about how they can then build that into into how they how they how they run their businesses, and that's where the Great Boss Academy came from. Um, so it's it's for people that don't feel like they're leaders and want to be great bosses, and that's that's it really. So somebody obviously listening to this, or if they haven't already approached you, how does it actually work? So they obviously have an initial fact-finding discussion with you and it's done online zoom how many face-to-faces what's the sort of format of the support service that you give them yeah the, the first thing is you 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 head to great-boss.com and there's a free scorecard to complete there so it takes you to a little site you answer 30 questions and it will spit out a little report on okay based on your answers this is how you're doing um and that's that can be interesting for some people because some people are doing better than they thought they were and other people who thought they were doing great go, oh crap, I'm not actually doing as well as I thought I was. But that gives you some answers about what you can what you can get started with. So that's for free. Um, if you want to join the academy, it only opens three times a year. So it opens in January, April, and in September. And at that point, you join you join the academy. Um, you get three seats for your membership fee. So there's one for you, one for your practice manager, and one for somebody else that you're maybe developing in the business. And in short, what it is, we meet once a month on the, the last Monday of a month. We meet once a month. I'll do some teaching. We'll troubleshoot stories uh, and issues that are going on. And then you have four days to complete a sprint. Now, the sprint is a plan about what you're going to focus on for the coming month. It's designed to fit into what you do day to day. It's not designed to be, you know, I think a lot of people are, are like drinking from a fire hose when it comes to any kind of development because they just don't have the time to fit it in. So this is designed to then seamlessly fit into your day to day. But you're, you're asked for that sprint. You send it back to me. You work through your sprint. And then at the end of it, you do a reflective journal. 
There's loads of resources. There's a community online that can chat to each other and support each other. One of the best things for me about it is the the interaction that we get on the calls. So you get a few people on a call and we say, right, what's everybody facing? And suddenly everybody's troubleshooting each other's issues. So it's a huge community um, type of type of thing. But it's designed for the busy principle, the one that says, I haven't got time to develop my leadership. Well, I think you have, because if you've got an hour once a month and 25 minutes a week, then I can help you. Absolutely right. Because I think it frightens a lot of people, the thought of doing this business coaching. It's a bit like saying, you know, in the old days, showing our age now, but, you know, enrolling for an evening class, you know, and you think, oh, for goodness sake, you know, I'm tired. And at the end of the day, they just put it off. People are always looking for, myself included, um, the easy road, if possible, and, and avoiding knuckling down. But as you say, if you can fit this into a working day around a working principle, that is good. And I think also talking to people on such a forum not only can sometimes make you feel better about yourself because you might think you know gosh I thought I was having a tough time nothing like this person or you can learn from other people and avoid it in future or find someone that shared the same kind of stresses and challenges that you do so you cannot undervalue the you know the benefits of talking in a group to other people like-minded people you know and it's all about being open and honest with them isn't it really um, and then just not feeling you're on your own, because as you say, becoming a principal um, is a huge mountain to climb for someone who has no business experience or acumen. And even those that do um, need to learn. You know, I mean, throughout lockdown, uh, we took on, you know, over years of intense business coaching. So when we came through it all, we were actually feeling so much better and supported and in a better place with the business. It would have been very easy to do nothing. And, I joke about it, you know, jump around to Joe Wicks and master baking banana bread, but none of that for us, you know. <laughs> we worked really hard to make sure that we understood the business we were in. It's that old adage, isn't it? It's working on your business and not working in it and finding that time. Um, and when you meet, do you meet in person at venues or is it all still done online at the moment? So it's all online and, and it will probably remain online um, because because it has to fit in. It has to fit in with what you're doing. It needs to be something which serves you. It's not another burden that you have to think about. Um, but a little bit like, you know, sharpening the saw, it, that little bit of time away working on working on things means that you'll be more effective. So, you know, I always say to people that, look, if you, you can find time to do this, or you're gonna have to make time to keep solving the problems that you've got in your business because you, you keep making the same mistakes over and over. So a little bit of time, and it really helps with, with making you more effective. Very good, I like those words. Um, do you, uh, you're not afraid obviously to have the hard word with someone, if you can see somebody that's just not doing it, not listening, but then coming to you, you know, bleating about the same problems, you must have some difficult conversations sometimes with people. Yeah, I think the, the thing is you don't change anybody by making them wrong, but what you can do is you can have a positive coaching conversation with somebody. I think. It's much better to encourage people in a, in a direction and give them the belief that maybe they don't have and asking the question of what what is it that's causing you to not be able to get to this? Are you worried about getting it wrong? Do you not think you've got enough time? Um, you know, if you're if you're a perfectionist and a procrastinator like me, you're going to avoid doing it because it, unless it can be perfect, then I'm not I'm not going to do it. So it's finding out what what the real issue is and then coaching people to a to 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 accept responsibility but um you know change only happens when people are 
um, involved in the process, not when they're shamed into you know feeling guilty for what they may or may not have done. As as true as that may be, I agree with you. It's about giving someone confidence, and it's that going back to that honesty and openness. It's getting someone to say, just tell me what what is the roadblock here, um, because it can be fear of change. It can also be fear of of challenging their colleagues at work and making something different. They want they don't want to be perceived as being the bad guy, but they need to make changes. And it's that fear of, of rocking the boat. So as you say, if you can give them confidence and give them the tools to know how to tackle difficult situations and to sort of, you know, break some bad habits perhaps in the work environment or the way they're working themselves, uh, it's good. You're absolutely right. And I think the, 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 the first thing that, that I try and instill in people is that you are the leader. You have a leadership identity and you've got to embrace it because if you don't, then nobody else is going to lead. And then you end up with your herding cats because nobody's really knows where we're supposed to be going or what we're supposed to be doing. So you, you, you've got to embrace that and have, have the confidence to do it. Um, and I think that's the, that's the first step for anybody that wants to be a great boss is, well, you are a boss. So what are, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, just be a great one, not a mediocre one. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Um, Mark, why did you call your company Purpose Driven Business? It was a great name. Yeah, um, I think everywhere we look nowadays, um, there are companies that have lost their purpose, and there. Or, and I'm, I'm dealing with with somebody at the moment. Is that? It's actually a friend um, who's going through a very difficult time with the company that provides her office space, and this company previously was, you know, uh, it, it was a family business gave money to the charity in the community. It helps, it basically helps small businesses to get started. You know, the sort of companies that we're, we're talking about, they're everywhere. Um, and they've been bought out by a big corporate. And what happened with this is now that their rent has been hiked 29% in under a year. They're introducing a 50 pounds a month parking charge for every, plus VAT for every, every, um, every person that works on, on site and making it very, very difficult. Now that for me is a company that's lost their sense of purpose because their, their purpose is we're here to help small businesses grow. And when that becomes secondary to what they're, what they're, the actions that they're taking, then they've lost their purpose and they're gonna, they're gonna fail. Eventually it's going to fail. And I think being, being in touch with that sense of purpose at the core of your business is something which is incredibly powerful. Because everybody understands we come to work, you know, in the case of dentistry, we're about fixing teeth. We do, we do dentistry. But if you can connect people to the purpose beyond that. So um, I've just done some work for a client uh, this week and, and their, their purpose is about helping their patients to feel heard. And that's what they've identified. We help people to feel heard because when they feel heard, they'll accept the advice that we'll give them and that will give them the best chance of great health, great dental health. So that now becomes their core. So it's not, our purpose is not doing dentistry. It's, it's helping people to feel heard. So you can bet your life that's gonna flow into the values of what they do. It's gonna flow into how they measure each other and how they, how they encourage each other. And for me, you know, speaking you know, personally, it, my purpose has always been about helping businesses to make, make things better, whether that's the people that work for them, the communities that are part of, or the environment. And so the, the whole purpose thing for me, it, it, it can be an incredibly powerful driver, but you've got to recognise that it's there because the purpose of a business is not to make profit. As Simon Sinek says, that's a result. The purpose is much deeper than that. 
what are your plans for the for the rest of this year and moving forward? Do you have anything else up your sleeve? Um, so the Great Boss Academy launches again very shortly. Um, so we'll be working on that and, and you know growing the next cohort, helping them through things. I'm currently working with a number of um, uh, large corporates and then sort of larger dental companies on their whole ESG strategy. So that's really exciting. And ESG is basically the investors speak for CSR. It's the same stuff, but um, you know, in a, in a slightly different environment. So that's really exciting. I'm really looking, looking forward to that. I've got a few speaking engagements in, um, but I'm I'm really enjoying the 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 option to do a lot of stuff online, but step out in into the world and see people face to face when it's when it's the right time to do it. So I mean, you know, things will grow, continue to grow. New clients, new things coming on board. Um, and just doing as much as I can of, of what, I, what I love to do, which is to help people to run businesses which make the world a better place. Well done. And it sounds like it's good timing for people who are thinking of, of talking to you about the Great Boss Academy. Um, how, what's the rollout like on that? So if someone is interested, do you have sort of, you know, people come in mid, midway, midterm, so to speak? How does it work? So what happens with the... With, Every time a cohort comes in, we do we do a, um, a sort of induction. So there'll be a separate session for new people that join in April. We'll get you up to speed, and then you'll flow into the rhythm of the academy. So um, it, the, you'll you'll have a call mid month, which will be mid May. Um, that will answer all your questions, get you set up with your development plan, and then you'll be introduced into the main group. And then the next time we meet together, you're, you're part of things. So that that helps you to get up to speed without without you know wandering around a, a call going what what are they talking about because <laughs> there's nothing like being the new person and not knowing what all the all the acronyms mean, isn't it? Yeah, sitting at the back of the room, keep your head down. <laughs> no, that sounds great. Um, what do you do to unwind hobbies? Because obviously you're a very busy man. Um, you've got a lot of lot of things going on there. What's your leisure time like? Well, I've got lots of it because I've deliberately done that. I think, you know, five years ago when I when I started this, you know, I'd had a I'd had a burnout. Um, I'd, I'd worked too hard. I'd, I'd done too much. I'd not made enough time for fun. So I have a rule. Um, golden rule for me is guilt free fun every day. Ooh, I will do right something. That, I will do something. It could be as simple as, you know, going going and buying a, a, a lunch that I don't normally have or sitting down with a book. Uh, it could be as much as taking the whole morning off to take the dog on a walk. So we're currently doing a, a couple of national trails in our area. So we just bite off a chunk and take a morning and, and go off and do that. Um, because, you know, I think the one of the things that I've, I've realised, and this, this comes from a book called um, Win at Work, Succeed at Life by Michael Hyatt and his daughter, Megan, is that we often see workers work as one side of the, of the picture and then life is the other side. But actually, if you see it as a, as a clock face, work is one part of the clock face. There are loads of other points on the clock face that we, we can and should be paying attention to, whether that's family, our own well-being, our own physical fitness, our own mental health, you know, having fun. All those things need to be part of life. Because And what I found is that if you focus that way, then you get as much done as you would do if you were just focusing on the business the whole time. Because that, that law of diminishing returns... You know, you can only work in the business for so long and have the, the same level of productivity. After a while, it starts to tail off. So I prefer to work hard and focused and then have a lot of leisure time. You speak very wisely. And I love that. Guilt-free fun every day. What we'll do at the end of our discussion on the video, we will list the name of the book that you mentioned. 
because it sounds like it's a very good read for somebody. Excellent. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I wish you all the very best for the coming year and I look forward to meeting you in person. Um, and it will be great to catch up again sometime soon. Thank you again for your time. It's been very insightful. And how can people get hold of you to hear more about this? What's the best point of contact? Um, best way in is the website, marktopley.co.uk and you'll find everything from there. Simple, lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lily.